Well, Tarek's gonna edit this anyway. We'll see what he decides. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome in to the Long Game Dynasty Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Marles, and with me today, my co-host, Trey Cryan. What's going on, man? Oh, I'm doing good. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. It's our first pod back from uh, Thanksgiving break. It's also our first pod back in about three weeks. And uh, personally, it's my first pod since October. I've been uh, <laughs> I've been gone for a little bit here, but just want to give a big shout out to all the listeners. Thank you so, so much for hanging in there. Thank you for sticking with us. We're excited to uh, be back, just me and Marles this week. But uh yeah, let's chop it up and get into it. Yeah, we do promise there are still four of us. And, uh, you know, despite having jobs and families and whatnot, we are still here to make this podcast as often as we can. So I was doing the quote fingers when I said a weekly roundtable discussion. But <laughs> that's you know, right. You know that's what? Right. I'm not changing it. We're going to keep it weekly at to our best ability. So that's right. That's right. You got to uh, aim for success here, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, that's the goal. Uh, we're back at it. And uh, yeah, we love you guys. And we love uh, talking about uh, dynasty football. So uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into let's it. Let's roll into some headlines then. Uh, let's go ahead and start with Elijah Mitchell, who went down again, I think another sprained MCL, the other knee, I guess. But, uh, he, you know, I was championing him at the, the moment that um, Jeff Wilson Jr. was traded away to the Dolphins as I, I thought that he was going to maintain some relevance. And he kind of hung in there as a uh, the, the two to the one two punch in the Christian McCaffrey combo there. But, you know, now that he's out probably for, I guess, the rest of the season, uh, definitely the rest of the fantasy season, does that make it Christian McCaffrey? season like sc or szn season or is it mason season what's going on trey yeah so i i definitely think this is good news for christian mccaffrey because for whatever reason they were still tempted to split carries with elijah mitchell uh it's gonna be a lot harder to do that with him back on the bench so uh this has to be good news for christian mccaffrey which i think I was getting a little bit nervous. I think, you know, he, he hasn't been necessarily as dominant since that first week and, you know, he joined the 49ers. So, um, you know, this is good news for him. I would definitely add Jordan Mason to my roster. I would definitely keep an eye out on any potential free agent signings. It, it just is something about this uh, scheme where, you know, guys are always getting injured and yeah, it's, it's good to have as many pieces of it as you can. So Elijah Mitchell, uh, really exciting rookie year, has not been able to stay healthy for his sophomore season. Let's go to the next headline. Uh, Mitch, I got one for you, all right? Last night, primetime, we saw quarterback Aaron Rodgers for the Packers exit the game uh, in the second half with, in his words, what he called a rib injury and a potential punctured lung. Are we worried about Aaron Rodgers? And does that mean it's Jordan Love season? Uh, I... A rib injury and a potential punctured lung. Uh, I think that's one and the same. I, he probably hurt his rib and it punctured his lung. And that that's... I, I Potentially. Asked, <laughs> allegedly. I i asked myself yesterday when I saw him walking off, I was like, is, is this how it ends? Is this the end of Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I, I don't think he wants to go out that way, but I think he wants to go out. I mean, he's been dejected all season, so... Uh, I, I imagine that it's Jordan Love season. 
I, yeah. I think it's I think it's time now. I don't know if that's moving forward, but we've said before that you should be trying to get out of your Aaron Rodgers fantasy share, and uh, that isn't happening anymore. You're you're going down with the ship. Uh, yeah, here we are. What a miserable end to the to this season that the Packers have been having. You know, that's right. I mean, it it couldn't have gotten any worse for Aaron Rodgers than this. So uh, yeah, this is pretty bad um, way to wrap up an already really miserable year for Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, seems like they're all but virtually eliminated from the playoffs at this point so i can't really see them rushing him back to try to win a bunch of extra games if it is a punctured lung so his value is probably going to tank so much to where it's probably a buy opportunity if he does end up coming back for next year but i think it's just wait and see just hold and see for now until we get some more clarity on the injury yeah all right well deshaun watson He's going to return back to the NFL action after his 12-game suspension, of course, against the Houston Texans. Who else? Uh, Mm -hmm. But what do you think this means for the pass catchers? Jacoby Brissett's been performing adequately, like quarterback 17, I believe. Um, Are are Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, are you expecting them to start trending a little bit higher? Yeah, I I think it's too late to buy into any of these guys now, you know, um, so I don't know how actionable this is, but I do think we'll see uh, Amari Cooper to probably continue producing at like the decently high clip that he's done so far this year. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that Donovan Peoples-Jones is a long-term viable option at wide receiver, but he might give you a couple usable weeks here and there. So uh, I actually recently got him from uh, you in a trade that we pulled off and uh, mm-hmm. It was really just for, you know, receiver depth where I've got a team that was really hurting for it, but uh, not somebody I would ideally be rolling out as an every week starter. Oh, he's been startable, though. I mean, he's had double digit fantasy uh, fantasy outings the last several weeks, surprisingly. So kind of an emergency play there. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, uh, we'll see. I think David Njoku is the guy that's going to be on my radar the most because uh, just with a lot of tight end injuries in the fantasy landscape and then uh, Watson potentially opening him up. He's looked crazy athletic lately. So uh, if that can translate somehow into a connection, uh, I might be looking to make a move there. But let's go ahead and move into the main content today. Uh, what we're going to talk about this episode is our takeaways from the week 12 slate. So the last week's slate Uh, We're each going to talk about two. So, Trey, why don't you lead us off? All right. So we'll kick off the first half here with uh, who else but uh, Josh Jacobs and his huge blow-up game against Seattle yesterday. He had 33 carries for 229 yards and two touchdowns on the ground to go with six catches for 74 yards in the air. That's a total of 303 total scrimmage yards on the day. So, Absolutely insane output for Jacobs. This is his fourth game on the year with more than 30 PPR points. So he's really, really crushing it this year. Currently sitting at running back seven and fantasy pros rest of season ranks. That feels a little bit low to me based after, you know, what we've seen so far. Going into this last weekend, he was already at uh, number four in points per game with 19.4 PPR points per game. He's doing that on great volume and gr- uh, pretty good efficiency too. Uh, 5.4 yards per touch, which was good for number 13 in the league. Uh, 3.88 yards created per touch, which was good for number five in the league. 
And that really shows his ability. What he's been so successful at this year is creating additional yards after, you know, that first evaded tackle, that first guy he makes miss. Keep trade cut, dynasty value currently sitting at running back nine. That is all the way up from like running back 29 after we saw him, you know, play deep into the second half in the preseason. And as we all know, the Raiders decided not to exercise Josh Jacobs' fifth year option. So he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year and he turns 25 in February. If you're a rebuilder and you have him on your roster, you obviously got to sell Jacobs like yesterday. Uh, take advantage of these huge spike weeks and get him off your roster for maximum value. But if you're a contender, I think that's where it gets a little bit interesting because we were seeing this huge, huge rise in value over the last few months. Mitch, what do you think? Buy, sell, or hold for contenders right now on Josh Jacobs. This might be the spice pick, but I, I think sell. I think that it's not going to get any better than what just happened. I mean, that was a career high. And I think that selling high, this this fits that mold right there. This is as high as you can sell if a team is gearing up for their playoff run or even on the edge of the playoffs on the bubble right now. This is like this is prime time to accumulate a lot of value. So, well, let me let me just challenge you real quick. Are you telling me you're a contender going into the playoffs, looking at trying to win your championship and you would sell him right now for max value? Look, if that max value was a, a replacement running back um and like a first round pick, I'd say I'd consider it. I mean, it, you know, you're talking about team builds here, so if I were deep at running back or if a lot of the leagues I play in, you only have to start two running backs. And if I have that luxury, like if I have like a Joe Mixon and like a Kenneth Walker and I got Josh Jacobs on my roster too. um, Yeah, man, if I can get like a wide receiver too, if I can get like a young rookie wide receiver, like Christian Watson in a one or like, you know, like there are, there are avenues to trade. Now, um, now, I think he's going, just for the record, he is going a little bit lower than that right now. On Keep Trade Cut, it's saying fair value would be Drake London, uh, who they've got ranked a little bit lower than, um, mm-hmm. oh, I guess, uh, the, yeah, a little bit higher than Christian Watson. So yeah, you might be able to pull off a Christian Watson a one. That that could potentially be doable. Uh, for me, man, I, if I'm a contender, I think you have to hold. Mm-hmm. You know, just th- this is kind of like, Go back a, a couple years when Alvin Kamara was putting up like 40, 50 points in the playoffs. Like it just seems like the probability that he has another spike week like this and wins you your playoff game is good enough to where I would rather just take that chance and ride with him, even if it does lose me a little bit of value um, waiting to sell in the offseason. And plus, potentially, you know, he signs somewhere uh, juicy. Uh, and, and maybe doesn't come back to the Raiders. We'll see. Yeah, admittedly, I'm taking the I want to have my cake and eat it too approach. You know, but like I, I still want to win, but I, I want that value too. So right. it's like next year is somewhat concerning. So, uh, yeah. It's a big unknown for sure. Yeah, so for sure. I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to be mad at somebody for holding. Like <laughs> that's a totally understandable move. Yeah, well, I've got him on one contending roster, and uh, it's going to take a lot to pry him away from that team, that's for sure. That's fair. Um, I know you guys talked about this a little bit three weeks ago, but I want to bring it up since I didn't get to join you and Tarek on that pod. You know, the success here for Josh Jacobs, I don't know that we can read too, too much into it, but 
it, obviously this was a guy that was going way later in redraft, you know, falling into the running back three range mm-hmm. and I'll keep trade cut at the, you know, back at the beginning of the season. Is there anything else that you think we can learn about the rest of the running back landscape based on this success? Because to me, the thing that really sticks out is the coaching change, right? Like you had the change in scheme, you had Josh McDaniels coming in uh, from New England and, you know, that's really sort of revitalized this scheme and, and opened up opportunities to, for Jacobs that he wasn't getting under the previous coaching staff. But curious if you agree with that or if you're seeing anything different. I I can agree with it. And I, I think a change matters, but it also doesn't mean that uh, this, the situation is going to change the way you want it to. Uh, for example, for sure. I, I guess like the Bears would be the first thing that comes to mind here where uh, they have a coaching change and we're, we're thinking that Khalil Herbert might take a little bit more and it just didn't happen. You know, like David Montgomery is still the guy. So it's, it's, I, it's interesting. I, I, I think that moving forward, a coaching change, maybe if the, the running back is somewhat disgruntled like Jacobs in a contract year, um, I, I can see where that would be valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, thinking back to how I typically evaluate or approach the running back position, I mean, yards per carry is a terrible stat for evaluation, but Josh Jacobs was not really ever clearing 4.0 yards per carry over his first three seasons. He really had bad catch totals up until the 2021 year too. So I think for those reasons, I, and probably a lot of other people were sort of discounting the possibility that he could blossom into this you know, top five, top six running back that he's turned into this year. So maybe it's just a good reminder to rely on our film evaluators. Guys like Chris Harris and others have been, you know, touting the talent of Josh Jacobs, even though it wasn't necessarily, um, you know, fully coming to to bloom until we had uh, the, the change in scenery with uh, Josh McDaniels coming into town. But we've talked a lot about Jacobs already. So uh, what do you got for us, uh, Mitch? Who's your... Uh, What's your insight here for uh, the Week 12 action? Yeah, I I guess I kind of hinted at it. Um, Christian Watson, uh, he's been just exploding lately. I, if you if you haven't heard of him, uh, the last three weeks, you've definitely uh, become quite acquainted with him. All he's doing is hitting his stride and scoring touchdowns like three weeks in a row, top 10 PPR wide receiver. And in those games, he had an 80% snap share or better. Uh, respectively 28%, 16%, and 24% target share. And uh, he's number one in fantasy points per route run and number one in fantasy points per target. And that's pretty good. That's pretty good. On film, he's even better. Like, Christian Watson can absolutely fly. And this is what I fell in love with when watching his tape in the offseason. And I said it time and again that if he hit, it was going to be huge. It was going to be massive. And it, because of the the top-end speed, he can score a touchdown from anywhere on the field. A, a reminder, player profiler has him in the 96th percentile or higher in the 40-yard dash, burst score, speed score, and his catch radius because he's a big dude. So, you know, either he's was going to be a bust or a home run, and I placed my money on the home run, right? So I want to take this and see how we can move forward. Uh, like we we saw signs early on uh, when he could have been a bust when the the first play of the game he dropped that easy touchdown 
Uh, but you saw his speed being utilized there, but he went straight to the doghouse. And yeah, supporters yeah, like definitely. me, you know, I didn't feel great. <laughs> I was like, oh boy, long year. But sometimes wide receivers take a while to adjust. And coming from North Dakota State, you know, that that learning curve has got to be higher than coming from an established like SEC program. But we'll get yeah. to that. So yeah. He's hitting his stride, like I said, and his perceived ceiling. I mean, I'd, I'd say he's smashing on what we thought that he might do his rookie season. And he's come from the doghouse, really developed, and uh, like I mentioned, become a touchdown machine. So keep trade cut has him wide receiver 23 and worth around the value of a 2024 first round pick. And that is a price I am willing to pay. Uh, I don't think that this three game uh sample is an anomaly um similar to like amon ross St. brown last year uh i the more he got involved and schemed the ball the more he produced and that's what i'm seeing happening here so whether it's jordan love or aaron Rodgers, i i don't really care i think that watson's going to be a central part of that offense moving forward but trey as i was saying north dakota state background uh, I know that's a big turnoff for you typically. Um, so are you still out on Watson? I know you were pretty out early on. Yeah, I was I was thinking back to this. So I had to look through my notes and kind of re- refresh, uh, you know, what my take was on Christian Watson during the, uh, the pre-draft process. Because as you mentioned, 2.21 yards per route run on the season. That was before the week 12 mm-hmm. slate. It is looking very, very good for Christian Watson right now. Now, Um, it's relatively small sample because, you know, he wasn't really on the field for the first half of the season. So let's hope, you know, he can keep it up in the second half, but, you know, thinking back to, um, you know, the pre-draft process, like, yes, the North Dakota Dakota state background was something that I wasn't confident in. Uh, it was also the fact that he was a senior declare. Uh, but what we're seeing, uh, with Chris Alave is that that hasn't really had a huge impact with this class. Even Jahan Dotson, you know, early on this year, he came out really hot. So in a way, it was sort of like that COVID year where guys came back and, you know, wanted to play that full senior Mm -hmm. year. Like maybe we should have been a little bit more lenient on that senior year, um, you know, ding that we typically put on on rookie wide receivers. So that was going against him. And it was also his late breakout status. He was never really the man until he came back for that, um, super or that fourth year at uh, at North Dakota State. So I was definitely suspicious the talent would translate given that profile. The other thing I'll mention real quick, I was also not a fan at price. Like, you know, he was a fine prospect, like second round pick, like super athlete, good production. Yes, it was from a small school, but he was going mid to late first uh back in, you know, our rookie drafts in in May. So if you're telling me I can get him for a 2024 first round pick today, mm-hmm. Like it's essentially, you know, a lower uh, value than what he was uh, on draft day just a few months ago. So that's a very good point. Yeah. So honestly, yeah, I would pay a 2024 first for him, given what we've seen. Like, you know, now that we've seen him run 100, 120 routes, like in the NFL, like it looks really good. So it's, you're almost safer now buying today than you were back in May. So yeah, it looks like both of our process prevailed on this one then, which (laughs) it's not just, that's a good thing. I mean, that's where we want to be because, you know, I I appreciate where you come from and I, your concerns were definitely 
valid. Uh, It's just sometimes on film you see that something that is very difficult to explain when not using numbers other than just being like, oh, that guy's got that it going on. And so uh, for me through this process, uh, like this has made me more self-confident in my own evaluations just seeing him succeed like that. So definitely rooting for him moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he keeps it up. Uh, Cause you know, he's a guy that seems like a great character dude uh, just, you know, with Aaron Rodgers uh, potentially out and how terrible the Packers have been this year. Uh, maybe he'll have a little bit more luck with Jordan love coming in off the bench. But uh, you know, before we move on, I do want to point out as well that, all, there's actually seven rookie wide receivers, including Christian Watson, that are currently ranked in the top 24 of wide receivers on Keep Trade Cut. So it has been an amazing year so far for the rookies, and it should get even better over the next month. You know, like we like we always say, like these wide receivers, they take some time to adjust to the NFL. Typically, the second half of the year is better than the first half of the year. So uh, we could see a lot of these guys continue to move up uh, our rankings over the second half. Absolutely, man. It looks like rookie fever wasn't as severe as we thought it was. Yeah. Well, we are absolutely flying through this episode, so uh, let's take it to halftime. Uh, mic, mic check. It's halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right. So halftime. Let's get into our parlay picks for week 13. A reminder to the listener, each week, the four of us pick a game against the spread. Uh, Tarek in Chicago will make a legal bet on that parlay. And uh, yeah, we'll all cheer him on each week for his and only his singular individual success. So my pick this week, I like the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are one and a half point underdogs on the road at the Detroit Lions. We just saw the Lions lose a close Thanksgiving Day game to the Buffalo Bills. And Jacksonville on Sunday won on a crazy last minute touchdown and two point conversion against the Ravens. You know, Detroit gets the longer rest leading up to this game, but I really just like the Jags better. I think they're a better team, um, both sides of the ball. Trevor Lawrence has been absolutely dealing uh, and a little bit under the radar this season. And the Lions defense remains one of the worst in the league. So yeah, give me the road dogs, Jacksonville in Detroit. Road cats. The road cats. Thank you. Uh, Tarek and John also sent in their picks. So Tarek is going with the Chiefs, who are two and a half point favorites at Cincinnati. All he said was, uh, yeah, give me Chiefs all day. So I guess he likes that um, that rematch from last year's playoffs. <laughs> and then uh, John, he's going with the Philadelphia Eagles, five and a half point favorites at home against your Tennessee titties. And you know what? The Eagles are pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I can see him beating the Titans by a touchdown. You know what? Fuck this. Fuck our parlor. No, I, I like I like the pick and the A.J. Brown revenge narrative. It's I think he's going to have a little something extra for my boys in uh, two tone blue. So, yeah, the Eagles are going to win that game. So anyway, uh, I have Seattle at the L.A. Rams. They are four and a half point favorites, and that's totally fine with me because not only have the Rams been awful this year, now they're out or without Cup and Allen Robinson and potentially Stafford. They're three and eight. 
they're going to lose. It's really not a matter of uh, if they're going to, but by how much. And the Seahawks are the number four scoring team in the NFL, averaging 26 and a half points per game. And I don't think the Rams can put up 22. So, yeah, that seems like a slam dunk to me. The Rams are really, really bad this year. Seattle has been hot which is so surprising with G- the Geno Smith show in town, but uh, no, I completely agree with this pick. I think uh, I think Seattle can beat them by a touchdown. So recap it for the listener. I've got the Jags, one and a half point dogs. Tarek's got the Chiefs. John has the Eagles. And Marles, you've got the Seattle Sea Chickens. Okay. All right, let's go into our second half action here. And I'm going to kick us off with the Arizona Cardinals wide receiver room, specifically Hollywood Brown, who made his first return back on Sunday from the IR, and DeAndre Hopkins, the 30-year-old old head who is really putting up a uh, classic performance uh, since coming back from his PED suspension. Yeah, so, it looks like he had he took those long term PEDs, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever effects he got from those PEDs certainly has not worn off yet. Worth because those he six is, games, his performance is enhanced for sure. <laughs> uh, Hollywood Brown, he put up eight targets, six receptions for forty six yards. So not a great yardage day. Failed to uh, find the end zone, but pretty good target volume. On the other side of the field, DeAndre Hopkins, who has been red hot the last few weeks, had six targets for four catches, 87 yards, and a tutty. So that first game back, now this puts their target shares on the season at 26% for Hollywood Brown, and I'm going to say 30% for DeAndre Hopkins. And that's averaged out, including all the games they didn't play together. So... We don't really know how it's going to shake out over the rest of the year when they're on the field at the same time, Mm -hmm. but I'm pretty confident in Hollywood. I think he's going to continue to put up that 26% plus target share. It's what he was doing before the injury, and it's kind of who I think he is as a player based on what we've seen over his previous years in uh, Baltimore. He's up to wide receiver 24 right now on keep trade cut, so honestly, I think still pretty much a buy uh, for contenders and rebuilders, given the fact that he's only 25. DeAndre Hopkins, other hand, he is wide receiver 29 on keep trade cut. I'm just, I'm not as confident in him, but I really can't deny that he's been an absolute beast since coming back from the suspension. He is number one in air yard share at 47%, number one in expected fantasy points per game at 199 I mean, look, the Cardinals are four and eight. They're probably missing the playoffs, but I think they're going to continue putting up high end weeks for both of these wide receivers. I think if you're a contender, you're starting both of these guys, but I'm D hop still feels a little bit more like a hold to me than a strong buy. Mitch, do you agree with me on this? Or am I like just being stubborn and not seeing the light here with D hop? Well, it is Thanksgiving, so I think we have to to eat some shit together because we both recently mentioned that we wouldn't trust DeAndre Hopkins, uh, especially in our, I, I said, in our playoff lineups come fantasy playoff season. And he's been nothing but a sure thing since he's come back, as you mentioned. he He's right. enhanced. So... um I also, I saw this go down in one of my leagues. 
a contender traded away Cooper Cup for DeAndre Hopkins straight up. And oh, that's terrible. And I was like, terrible, terrible. I was like, dude, what? But but the way Hopkins is playing and the way that the the Rams are just a mess, uh, it, like it's it's terrible. But like at the same time, if this guy wins, is it terrible? And so I, I think in a vacuum, yes, of course. But my point is that Hopkins has just been playing that good. He's been that guy since he's back. So. I, I can't be too mad at somebody like overpaying for DeAndre Hopkins if they're going for a ship. And if somebody's in your inbox trying to pay more than market value, of course, sell Hopkins. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think I think we both agree then that just one game with them back together on the field, we're not going to overreact to Hollywood out targeting DeAndre Hopkins here, right? Because we've seen him, you know, be consistently a wide receiver one week in, week out for a month and a half now. But the, the Cooper Cup and D Hop <laughs> trade. I mean, if that's straight up, you're just leaving a lot of value on the table if you're selling Cup there. But I will hear an argument that, you know, rest of season, D Hop outscores Cooper Cup because who knows if Cooper Cup is even going to come back from injury or if they're even going to, you know, if he does come back, if they're even going to like really try to force him the ball because. Clearly, they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, what are what are the Rams playing for at this point? Whereas, like, yes, the Cardinals are probably out of playoff contention too. But you know, they're going to at least be fighting for that last wild card spot over the the end of the year here. Sure, and Hopkins is also coming back next year, and this is still a developing team. Like, this is the first time we've seen uh, Hopkins and Hollywood Brown on the field together because of the suspension and because of the injury right after right. the suspension. So the end of the season, now the team is getting to know each other as a team. And at four and eight, they're kind of out, I guess, but like not statistically out, I guess, mathematically out. So they're probably going to keep pushing on. And like you mentioned, I, I, I think that they're going to do it for development's sake, not necessarily pushing for a playoff berth, but like this team's got to get their shit together. Like there's, there's yeah. too many good players on it to be four and eight right now. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking back to, so you're, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, both you and I were like, I, I don't see it. I don't like sell Deandre Hopkins. Now, clearly that was the wrong <laughs> decision, mm -hmm. but um, you know, looking at what he did last year when Christian Kirk was still on that team, like he was a 21% target share player with awesome touchdown luck a season ago. And so that was sort of why I didn't really believe that he still necessarily was going to bring it this year. So that's kind of what we saw in this first week with, uh, Hollywood back. I'm not saying like, that's definitely going to be the case now after what we've seen over the last month, but you know, it, that 30% average probably has to come down a little bit because I just think Hollywood Brown is going to command his targets and he's going to command his volume of that offense. He, the connection between him and Kyler Murray was electric before he went down with injury and he's 25, you know, he's still got a lot of career left ahead of him. So I, I don't necessarily see Hollywood slowing down at this point. Yeah, Trey. And I think that we we are absolutely on the same page because if you're going to go for either of these guys right now, why not go for Hollywood? Why not go for the guy uh, with, what, five years? You're getting five years back. Another five years. Yeah, and, easy. And uh, we've seen 
like the the first six games of the season, Hollywood was amazing. Like, th- there's no reason to think that he he's not going to keep that going. So, if the price range is similar, which I don't think it should be, but I've seen otherwise to suggest that Hopkins is more expensive than I'm willing to admit, then yeah, I I think that Hollywood is the better play. It's worth a shot. Now, what what do you think that we're offering for Hollywood? I twenty three mid first. Does that get it done? Yeah, a, a mid first is probably fair value, you know. And it, the there's definitely some risk involved with that because we're seeing like how valuable all these rookies are right now. Like we just mentioned, there's seven rookie wide receivers up in the top twenty four right now. That's all ranked higher than what uh, Hollywood Brown is at the moment. So you got to think from a pure value perspective, that might be an L. But I mean, really what you're hoping for is that rookie production ends up turning in to wide receiver one, which is what I think you're going to get with Hollywood Brown. So for a contender, I think that's absolutely a fair deal. And let's see, Hopkins, uh, maybe a, I don't know, are you going to be able to, buy him for an early two or is that not enough it might not be enough to be honest i think he might be more in like the two second round pick range um because a late first i i, I cannot support uh, buying that, hopkins no. at that point but i think when you're talking about two twos and potentially adding a 30 year old wide receiver one to your contending roster that sounds like that's probably a fair deal to me so if you were down to making that decision, would you rather spend a mid-first on Hollywood Brown or two twos on DeAndre Hopkins for a contending roster? Oh, that's 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 sinister. I think I'd rather keep the first. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> you know? I agree. And uh, the two twos feel like the the right play, the the right price. So here we are talking ourselves right back in to DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> And I just said, uh, always be buying uh, Hollywood Brown too. Yeah, no, I think a two sec, two twos gets it done. It's a lot of value to give up, uh, but you know, if you're getting low end wide receiver one production and that wins you a championship, then that's a fair deal. Oh man, we should we should stop talking about this before we uh, flip flop again <laughs> here. Uh, let Let's go ahead and move to New Jersey, the J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets. We talk about them a lot. They're low key my like my my side team, uh, my side my side Jets. And they are, dude. You you love this I, team. I do. I I love New Jersey now, and I still want to buy Elijah Moore. <laughs> I can't quit. And uh, uh, you know, this is a pretty great story in New Jersey where. The offense just has one of the worst games against the Patriots. Zach Wilson goes 9 for 22 for 77 whole yards. And then when asked if he let his defense down, he says no. So he's getting called (laughs) out by his wide receivers. He's a healthy scratch for Mike White, who then just dominates 22 for 28, 315 yards, three touchdowns. Which, by the way, is more fantasy points than Zach Wilson has ever put up. So, I, I, all this is just, it warms the heart on the holiday season. So, Zach Wilson sucks. What else is new? But Elijah Moore, he's back, maybe? The, the, his buy window is certainly still open. 
And if you're a rebuilder and you can and you can get him for what keep trade cut says uh, wide receiver 47, they're saying uh, he's worth less than a 2023 second. So I'll stop here, Trey. Would you buy Elijah Moore for a 2023 second if you're a rebuilder? Yeah, that's that's tough. I think for a rebuilder, I'm I'm worried that you know what we've seen so far with the Elijah Moore in his sophomore year, like it's not all just the quarterback, you know, because even when Joe Flacco was starting earlier this year, like Elijah Moore was not getting on the field, you know. So I feel like I would lean towards the 2023 second right now and just roll the dice again, right? Like rather than buying into Elijah Moore, who I think I'm pretty much out on, but let finish where you're going with this. Cause I think what you're going to tell me is, is I'm wrong. Yes. And that's okay. I'm, <laughs> that's all right. I've been wrong before. It's all right. I, I think you're getting great value for that. And, you know, on the other hand, and I think uh, this is kind of where you might be the, the Elijah Moore manager might be thinking to themselves, this has been a long year. My expectations versus what he's done is just not there. And they might be trying to cut and run. And so a two, I think, is enticing enough. You know, maybe even a 2024 two. But, you know, this is kind of like Christian Watson in a way where he got buried early on on the roster but, you know, you definitely have seen something before. Uh, last year, Elijah Moore had a couple breakout games, and we know he's capable of it. And, uh, yeah, the, it's been a miserable year, but all of a sudden, get the ball in his hands, and the dude can... it, it Or uh, Kadarius Tony even. It, it reminds me of that. And so, like, I feel like the potential is still there, and... If we can get him anybody other than Zach Wilson, because I don't think Mike White's the guy, but no. I mean, if we can get him anybody, any quarterback in there, then his value just goes right back up to where it was. Like, let's not forget, he was a sneaky top 20 wide receiver on a lot of people's radar, and we all feel kind of dumb right now, but I, I don't think that it's, that it's over for him. And I think if you're going to buy back in, now would be the time because, like, I wouldn't have said this last week. I, I wouldn't have because it's been that bad. But now that we know it's capable of coming back, yeah, I, I, the fish hooks back in my mouth. So oh, Elijah Moore, he he got a touchdown last week, right? Mm-hmm. So there was there were signs of life with Mike White on the field. So I, I see where you're coming from here, and I'll, I'll throw out a little bit more um, on your side because if you go back a year ago, I don't think any of us were believing any hype we were believing any anything in the future for Amon Ross St. Brown mm-hmm. and it was that you know six or seven game stretch over that back end of the season where he really blew up and established himself as this wide receiver one option for Detroit I'm not saying that's what Elijah Moore is going to do because he's got to compete with a pretty good receiver on the other side of the ball but it's possible that there's enough that we see over the second half of the year with the change in quarterback with some actual usage, like he's actually going to get snaps now over the back half of the year. Like it is, it is possible for him to kind of revive and win back some of the fans like myself who are, you know, now feeling like very out on Elijah Moore. So if if we try to zero in on this price a little bit, high end second, no, I'll take the pick versus more low end second for next year. Like 
if you if it's i'm pretty confident it's a late second yeah i think that's late i would i would price. do that trade yeah and mid second would be a little bit harder that's where i would say okay maybe i i take the pick instead and just re-roll the dice here two-thirds all day all day three-thirds all day 2024 second i think i would rather have more the player yeah um and the other guy you mentioned garrett wilson uh, he is wide receiver 12 on keep trade cut. So he is the man. There is no mystery. He is the man. No. And his price is very high. And he's been a wide receiver one three times this year. He's looked like the alpha on tape. He's got those arrogant hands, got the instincts. And he's been middle of the road, though, in pretty much every advanced metric that I can find. And I know that typically... Uh, that's a red flag for you, but luckily you've seen him on tape too. So uh, I'm just curious, though, uh, if if any of this is concerning or if he's just passed the test for you here. So the the main metric that I think we should be looking at for rookie wide receivers is yards per route run, right? Mm-hmm. So right now, Garrett Wilson, before his big game on Sunday, was sitting at 1.97 yards per route run. That was wide receiver 35 on the year. And he had already done that on 270 routes. So decent volume already this year. So that's a large enough sample size for us to say, okay, if he is hitting that 2.0 number, that is like a, a very viable threshold. So shout out to Adam Harstad, who we've talked about on this pod countless times. You know, he's mentioned this threshold before 200 routes run, two yards per route run. Like that is like a very solid signal for future success and yes there's more that goes into it we talk about target share you know we talk about air yard share that sort of thing but garrett wilson with his first round profile hitting that efficiency through the first 12 weeks we expect that to improve like we always talk about and it will go up because that doesn't factor in you know hit the monster game he just had on sunday so yeah i i think the the wide receiver 12 ranking is absolutely viable on keep trade cut um you know, obviously for a contender, that's not like a strong buy at the moment, but if you're able to get him at that price going into the off season, then hell yeah, sign me up because that's the sort of dude that you can build a dynasty around for sure. Oh yeah. In fact, you and I, you, you me and Tarek, actually, we, we made a, we made a pretty big trade there in the TLG two. Let, let me pull it up here. That's right. It was a Kenneth Walker for Garrett Wilson deal. Yeah. Kenneth Walker, Latavius Murray, Gerald Everett for Kittle, Garrett Wilson, and a third. Yeah. We should post that one on our Twitter. That's a banger. Yeah, we should post that one. We should post that one and get some, uh, get roasted on uh, Twitter for that. Cause we did that a week ago. And, um, well, I, I think they put up a similar, uh, outing, but yeah. I'll, I'll, well, so from my point of view, uh, Tarek and I co-managed that team and we had Kenneth Walker. We're not contending this year. So this was a rebuilder move for us. And, you know, Kittle seems kind of like a strange target to add for a rebuilder. But to me, it was, this was a valuable enough piece to close the gap from Wilson to Kenneth Walker. And because of that, you know, it was a chance for us to sell high on Kenneth Walker, who is currently the running back one on keep trade cut Mm -hmm. and get into a wide receiver that I am very, very confident in going forward, as I just mentioned. And of course, Kittle, who's, you know, one of like maybe four tight ends in the game that are worth having on your roster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on my end there, uh, I just, 
pretty much out of running back, but the rest of my team is ready for a playoff push. So it just made sense from a positional standpoint. And like you mentioned, Kenneth Walker's pretty good. Uh, he is, he's, he is pretty, he's good. pretty good. But even I like uh, the long-term value of Garrett Wilson more than Kenneth Walker. So uh, with two things in mind, two separate things in mind, competing versus rebuilding, this is how you can find trades like that in your league as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now Garrett Wilson, I, I, I've got him on a contender right now. You know, he's not doing me a lot of good in that, uh, on that team. Cause you know, I, I left him on the bench this past weekend and, uh, definitely kicking myself for not starting him. But you know, that said, uh, I just could not let go of him because he's the sort of guy that you can, you know, see the future here. You're seeing him hit that efficiency target, like the first round, uh, pedigree coming out of Ohio state, like, all the, you know, the college signals that we look for, like John called him, you know, maybe the wide receiver one in all of dynasty about a month ago. I thought that was uh, a little bit crazy I, given, you know, what we've seen with Jeff Justin and Jefferson. Yeah. But. <laughs> but I will definitely say he is in the top 12, like, and, and not number 12 either. It's, it's, it's higher than that. And, um, you know, the rankings that I need to update will reflect that for sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's close this off with one more guy, a guy that I brushed off immediately, and that's Mike White. Is there anything here? And I know out of uh, the the beat there in New Jersey, uh, I heard that Zach Wilson is potentially learning lessons and might return to the roster eventually or something. But not if Mike White's going to play like that now. He's 27 and has shown signs of, uh, I, I think he threw four picks in his last start prior to this one. So uh, we know he's capable of some less sub subpar play, if you will. So, yeah, no, we've definitely seen him go out there and suck it up uh, before for sure. So I don't, right, is any reason to buy? I don't, I don't think so right now. I don't think you have to buy right now. Uh, you know, if, if he goes out and he wins this job, I mean, what's his value going to jump up to like from a third round pick to like a second round pick, you know? So yeah, there might be a little bit of like a, a value bump, but well, all right. I, at the same time too, like what, what the best case outcome here, he wins this, this jets job takes him into a playoff run and he's the long-term starter, right? Like that is the absolute you know, best case scenario. Yeah. That's the best case scenario, right? Like I don't, I mean, you can, you can, I think drop a third round pick and say, Hey, yeah, let's play this game. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, let's buy this lottery ticket and see if it happens. I don't hate that. You know, that's probably a good use of a third round pick to be honest. I'd but. agree. I, I think burning a third is probably the right move, especially if you're thin at QB. And if, but if the cost goes up much higher than that, then I think you're better off just kind of waiting and seeing. Um, and because then you're just going to be, you know, able to buy at his ceiling later on anyway. Well, let's see. The Jets are pretty good this year. Their draft pick might not be uh, towards the top, but don't they have more draft picks? I could be wrong on this. But getting a quarterback in the draft is not out of the question either, I don't no. think. so. No, definitely not. Uh, yeah, definitely don't pay more than a third. But in, in, a, in a few leagues, I am just miserable at quarterback and... I don't I don't hate this uh this low key QB two 
here and Mike White. So yeah, and if if you're holding, let's say you picked them up off waivers, you know that's found money. If you can go and sell them for a third, mm-hmm. then then do it. You know, like take your win. Uh, you know, take take your value, take your dub, and and go use it elsewhere. So you know, if somebody else wants to ride that um, that lottery ticket, then let them. Uh, but no, I, th- I I can see both sides of that um that transaction, and uh, didn't really think about it till just now on the pod. So uh, yeah, I like that one. Props to you. Sounds like a good place to end the show. I I know we love talking about my jets, but uh, we're gonna close out. Is this episode seventy five? Seventy five. Not seventy five. All right. We'll see you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm not where I thought